Hey, I'm so glad to see you today. We're starting a new series today called My Help Comes from the Lord. And it's a time where we definitely need God's help, don't we? As a nation, as individuals. And in this series, I want to give you a heads up that we're going to be talking about very practical emotions that are going on in your life. And you might even be surprised just how specifically the Word of God speaks to you and to the people you care about. Let me give you an overview of what we're going to learn today and in the upcoming weeks. Today, we're going to learn how to stabilize your emotions when you're living in a time of uncertainty. Next week, we're going to learn from the Word of God how to walk out of depression or discouragement. And then week three, which is the week right before Thanksgiving, God's going to teach us from His Word how to find the good even in the worst of situations. Well, here's an overview of what God's got for us today. He's going to teach us five steps to move your body to a place of emotional stability where there's anxiety. And normally at this point in a message, I would say, uh, are you dealing with anxiety or uncertainty? I know I don't even have to ask this week. We all are. And God's plan to move you to a place of peace involves your soul and your mind but it actually involves your body as well. So we're gonna learn five really specific ways, things you can do to move your body to a place where you can experience emotional stability. Then we're gonna learn five steps to move your mind and your soul. And don't worry, you don't need to memorize every single one of those steps. The point is this, right now open your heart and just say, God, where there's anxiety in my life, where I'm uncertain, will you show me what I need to do to better experience your peace. You know, one of the most well-known verses about experiencing God's peace in times of anxiety is Philippians 4, verse 6. It says this, don't be anxious about anything. Now, I'll be honest, this is one of those verses that I love. It's a beautiful verse. You hear it quoted frequently, but sometimes I look at that and I say, okay, God, how do I not be anxious about anything? That's the question we're gonna answer together today. Instead of being anxious in every situation, by prayer and petition, that's making specific requests, with thanksgiving, God, here's what I'm thankful for, even in the midst of all this trouble, present your requests to God. Now, Philippians 4 is a beautiful passage because the next verse goes on to say that God will then give you a supernatural peace. But here's the question that we're asking today. Why is it so hard to actually experience that peace. I mean, if you're anything like me, you might open your Bible to Philippians 4, 6. You might say, okay, God, I'm gonna not be anxious about anything. Uh, and with prayer and petitions, and even with thanksgiving, I'm gonna present you my requests, and you do that, and you stand up, and you still feel the same emotions. Does that mean you don't have enough faith? Does that mean you're not a spiritual person? I'm here to tell you it doesn't mean you lack faith, and it definitely doesn't mean you're not a spiritual person. You know, why is it so hard to experience this? Part of it is that God designed you with multiple components. You have a mind, you have a body, and you have a soul. And part of your body is your brain, and your brain is actually hardwired. That when there's a threat, or when there's uncertainty, your body reacts in a way that you feel anxiety. In fact, let me give you three biological facts about you and me. Here's biological fact number one. Uncertainty 
hijacks the brain. That's right, the more uncertain your life is, the more your brain gets hijacked away from the normal stuff that your brain would be doing. Researchers know this because they've put mice into mazes. And the mouse will kind of learn its little way around the maze. And then the researchers will put little, you know, measuring electrodes onto the brains of the mice. And they'll put the mice in the maze and they'll keep changing it. And they can actually measure that this causes stress and it activates different parts of the brain. And with enough uncertainty, the brain gets hijacked. Well, we're living in a nation where between COVID and elections and all sorts of other factors, the uncertainty has hijacked many of our brains. Biological fact number two about us, that sounds so extreme, but it's true, is that threat also hijacks our emotions. This is why if you feel threatened for your safety or security, your palms may start to sweat or your heart rate goes up. I'll tell you a story, and I definitely don't want to stress you out with this story, but there was a time where Mel and I had taken Jack and Zoe out on a walk. And I just want to tell you before I get into the story that everyone was okay in the end, so don't panic. There's no stress in this story. But Jack was about this age, and Zoe was little, and it was this exact stroller that we had in the trunk of our car. And we pulled into a park in Arizona where we were going to do a bunch of walking. And I was pulling the stroller out of the back and, you know, Jack was a very busy little boy and it was stressful because he's running around the car and, and Zoe's there and I forget all that was going on, but I just remember being stressed out. Well, then I went to close the trunk and as soon as I closed the trunk on the car, I heard this screaming and I looked and Jack was there and his fingers were in the trunk. I quickly opened it and his hand ended up being okay, but that moment where I saw his fingers trapped in there, my heart spiked and I started to feel stress. I had an adrenaline jolt. And I'm telling you guys, as we walked around that park, it took me about an hour of walking for my body to just kind of come down from that spike of stress. Now, did that mean in that time that my heart was racing and my hands were shaking a little bit, that I was unspiritual or that I didn't have faith? No, those were biological responses to a threat. And so here's a note for you. You're not unspiritual when your body's hormones respond to your environment. If you're seeing things happen in the country or in the nation that threaten you and your body spikes in a way that responds to it, that's not unspiritual. Here's the reality of what we're going through right now as a nation and as individuals. We know this biological fact number three, uncertainty, well, that hijacks our brains, threat hijacks our hormones, you add uncertainty plus threat and you get anxiety. What's anxiety? It's like a cocktail mixed up of these fight or flight feelings and emotions that are sometimes irrational and just too much for us to control at times. And so here's an important note for you. A strong enough cocktail of anxiety. <laughs> Isn't that what's going on across our country? A strong enough cocktail of anxiety, it will make even the most spiritual people lose their bearings. And so God brought you into this moment today because God wants to help you regain your bearings. He wants to move you away from that place of anxiety. And he's got some specific steps for you physically to help your body recover where your brain maybe has been hijacked, just like mine has by uncertainty, where your hormones and your adrenaline has spiked because of the threats where there's real anxiety, God has a pathway for you today, first for your body 
and then for your mind and your soul. Here's the summary of what we're going to learn in the Word of God. It's this, when life is uncertain, declare or focus on what is certain. Uh, Growing up, my mom often had motion sickness. It was called vertigo. And one of her doctors told her this. I remember when we'd be on family trips, she'd start to get motion sick, and she would tell us this. The doctor had told her that if she would fix her eyes on something off in the horizon that was not moving, so motion sickness, because everything's moving, she would fix her eyes on what's not moving, and the motion sickness would go away. On the flip side, if she would focus her eyes on things that were bouncing around and moving, it would aggravate the motion sickness. It would make it worse. Well, the same is true for your mind as well as your soul. If you focus on all the things that aren't sure, that are uncertain, if you focus on all the things that are threatening, you will feel more and more motion sickness in your inner person. On the flip side, if you focus on what's certain, you will feel stable. We saw this in Philippians 4, 6. It says, do not be anxious for anything, but in everything with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. In other words, take the uncertain things, the unstable things, and turn them into prayer requests to the certain and stable God. Well, what we're learning today is that even when you do that, if your body is depleted, if you're in an environment that's incredibly stressful, you're still going to physically feel stress. And a great example of that is one of my heroes. His name is Elijah. Oh, Elijah, we're going to pick up on a story where he just had a face-off of good versus evil. Elijah just literally called down fire from heaven. He faces off with these prophets of evil. He does miracles and he shows that God is mighty and God is powerful. And Elijah has this huge, huge victory. But in the midst of it, there's a bunch of uncertainty. And in the midst of it, there are a bunch of threats to his life. In fact, after his miracle, this evil queen says, I'm going to kill Elijah. And she sends an army after him. And he starts to run for his life. And he still has faith in God. He's still a man of God, but he's running for his life. And we pick up in verse 3 of 1 Kings 19, and it says this, Elijah was afraid. I just want to pause there before we go any deeper into this story. Think about this. Here's this man of God, this hero of faith, and he was afraid. Are you afraid today? Are you afraid of something in the future, of something in the present? It's not unspiritual to be afraid. And we're going to learn in Elijah's story how to care for your body as well as how to direct your mind and your soul when you feel afraid. He's so afraid that he runs for his life. He comes to this place in Judah, and there he leaves his servants. So now, not only is he depleted and afraid, but he's isolated and alone. And verse 4 tells us this, While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush. He sat down under it, and this is so dramatic, but think about this. He prayed that he might die. Have you ever reached that place where you're so depleted? You're just so weakened that you actually just say, God, I don't know if it's worth living. It's a pretty extreme place. And here's Elijah, this hero of the faith, but he's so depleted physically. 
his hormones, his adrenaline, everything else is just so exhausted that he actually prays, God, would you just end it for me? It continues in verse four and he says, God, I've had enough. I've had enough, Lord, take my life. And then he says this, I'm no better than any of my ancestors. Now, it's interesting because Elijah actually is better than his ancestors. I mean, he's a hero. He's famous thousands of years later. His ancestors are not. In other words, when your emotions are depleted, when you're physically exhausted, when your adrenaline and hormones are kicking in, you lose perspective of reality. I have so many times that I give a message and afterwards I feel like that was the worst message ever. I'm terrible at this. And you know why it is that I feel that way? Well, sometimes maybe it's true, hopefully not. But usually it's because I'm tired. It's because my body's depleted. And you might feel today like, oh, I'm just such a terrible dad or what's the point? Why even go on? I'm telling you guys, anytime you feel those extreme things, it's a sign that you need to slow down and start to take care of your body. At least Elijah does one thing right here. He prays to God, and when God answers his prayer, he's gonna show Elijah that sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is to eat a good meal and take a nap. Verse five, after Elijah complains and says, God, just kill me now, he lays down, he falls asleep. And as he's sleeping there, God sends an angel, a messenger from heaven. The angel touches Elijah and says, get up and what? What's the most spiritual thing that Elijah can do right now? Eat food. When I read this passage, it reminds me of having a toddler. You guys know how it is when you've got a two-year-old, a four or five-year-old, or maybe it's your 14 or 15-year-old or your 56-year-old who, if they're hungry, they're hangry. If they're hungry, they're hangry. If they're tired, they're angry. You know, scripture says this, that God knows our frame, that is our body, that we are dust. He knows our weakness. And it's true that if we don't have enough food or sleep, we get angry. Not only angry, we get grumpy, we lose our perspective. And in this story with Elijah, God is kind of like a parent who says, okay, buddy, okay there, little Elijah, you just need a good meal. You need a good nap. You actually are a little dehydrated, buddy. You need to drink some water. Look at verse six. Elijah looked around after this angel wakes him up and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals. Now remember, Elijah had just prayed, God, kill me now. (laughs) Thankfully, God didn't answer his prayer. And it's a reminder that when God doesn't answer our prayer, he has something better. Instead of death, what God had for Elijah was a nice warm meal. Here's some freshly cooked bread. Here's a jar of water. Elijah, you've been working and you've been going. You just haven't been drinking water. He ate it and he drinks it. And then he lays down again. So he eats right. He drinks water. He lays down again. And then God's gonna go through this cycle a few times. In fact, the next verse says, the angel of the Lord came back a second time. Elijah now sleeps and his body restores while he sleeps. The angel wakes him up again and says again, get up, eat another meal for the journey is too much for you, Elijah. The journey 
is too much for you. In other words, Elijah, without God's help, you can't do this. And even with God's help, Elijah, you still got to put good food in your body. You've still got to drink water and you've still got to rest and you still got to sleep. Verse eight, so Elijah got up and he ate and drank and then strengthened by that food, he now goes out and he travels for 40 days, reaches the place where he can hear from God. And if you keep reading this story in your life application study Bible, he will now have an encounter with God. But the encounter that happens for Elijah spiritually starts by him recharging his body physically. So let me give you five steps for your body today to move your physical body in a way that can lead you to emotional stability. Now here they are. First step is to eat well. Eat food that actually has nutrition in it. I'm not saying you can't eat junk food, but make sure you eat some food that actually has nutrition. And maybe take a multivitamin if you need to. Make sure, I remember a time in my life, I was so discouraged and I went to the doctor. They took my blood test and they were like, your vitamin D is so, so low. And that's when I started taking multivitamins and eating better. And guess what? It changed the way I feel. Make sure you're getting seven hours of sleep a night especially the more stress you're under. That seven hours of sleep, it boosts your immune system and it helps your body deal with your stress and your emotional anxiety. Make sure you're drinking enough water. Did you know that, did you catch that in the verse? A jar of water, it's biblical and spiritual to make sure you're drinking enough water. Then walk or exercise. And did you know that in Genesis 2, when God first created Adam, this is before sin, or before evil, it says in Genesis 2, verse 15, that God created Adam to tend the garden. In other words, as a physical being, God created your body to move and do work. And if you're sitting around too much, it will actually drag down your emotions. Again, these are all in the word of God. There's specific things you can do this week to get your body to a place where you can experience emotional peace. Because your soul can be right with God by believing in Jesus. And your mind can even be reading verses like Philippians 4, 6. But if your body's depleted like Elijah's was, then you will lack peace. You know what else helps your body feel peace and get to a place of emotional stability? Laughing. Proverbs 17, verse 22 says that laughter is like medicine for your body. Laughter is good for your body, according to God. Also, sitting in silence. I was reading an article the other day and it said this, they did brain scans of people who are 50 years old. And if those people would sit in silence for 15 minutes a day, their brain scan would come out looking like the brain scan of a 25 year old. How many of you would like to have a 25 years younger brain when it comes to mental health and speed and quickness? Well, just sit still for 15 minutes no news on, definitely no phone or apps, no music, just look out a window in total silence for 15 minutes and it will regenerate your brain. Almost sounds like scripture when it says what? Be still and know that I'm God. Many other passages like Psalm 37 that talk about this. In fact, this whole idea is summarized in the Old Testament with the idea of Sabbath that God said one out of every seven days should be a day for sitting and looking out the window. And people took it too literally and they made it a burden. But the idea is this, 
Rest your body. In fact, in that time where you just sit and be still, ask God to minister to your body. I found that if I'll sit in a chair and look out the window in quiet for 15 minutes, that usually leads to my best times of prayer. It recharges my body, which helps recharge my emotions. And then the fifth thing I want to share with you today from Galatians 6 verse 2, a way to recharge your body in a time of stress and uncertainty is to actually verbalize and speak your burdens. This is why we have our small groups. And if you're not yet in a group, text the word group to us. Galatians 6 says to bear each other's burdens. In other words, have other believers who you can say, here's what's burdening me. Here's the struggle in my life. Have believers you can say your burdens to and have believers who you can listen to. And if you'll do that, it actually helps your body as well as your soul. Well, I've got a little note for you here. You might be thinking, John, this is church. Why are you talking about what I eat and whether I sleep? Well, because God talks about it. Why does God talk about it? Because God loves you. You know, he says in scripture that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Your body, he knit it together in your mother's womb. He crafted your DNA. He loves you. And he wants you to take care of yourself so that you can experience him in this life. Here's our note about Elijah. God actually cared about Elijah's body. Think about that. God didn't just care about Elijah's brain or Elijah's soul and his faith. He also cared about Elijah's flesh, his body. And God cares about your body. So you can actually love God by taking good care of yourself. Paul the Apostle writes in the New Testament, he says that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives within you. And so that passage says take good care of your body because God's Spirit is living there. Take care of your body and your mind and your soul. Well, I mentioned at the beginning of our time that we'd give you those five steps for your body. And maybe you're listening and the Spirit of God has spoken to you and you said, John, this is the most unexpected sermon, but you're right. I haven't been getting seven hours of sleep or drinking enough water or eating right or exercising. Let the Spirit of God help you pick one of those five things. In fact, let's look back at them real quick, real quick. Let's look back at them. And I just want to ask you right now, let God speak to you, not, not John, but from his word. He loves your body are you taking care of it? You, you won't experience freedom from anxiety if you're not taking care of your body. Do you need to get a little exercise? Do you need to laugh? I love this. Do you need a nap? We have this thing called the Faith First Journey. And what it is, is every week we have an application from our sermon and it will remind you on your phone to do the application. But what if the application this week was to sleep seven hours a night all week? That'd be a great application to a sermon. I'm going to do it. Will you join me in sleeping seven hours a night this week? Let's do it. Maybe you need to take the sit in silence challenge. Experience some Sabbath. Let God talk to you. Maybe you really do need to get into a small group where others hear you by texting that word group. Or if you're going through stuff that's just really heavy, and you feel like, I need someone to talk to, but it's not a small group, text the word CARE to us. We've got CARE pastors who specialize in helping you through the hardest times of your life. We can get you in touch with counselors and therapists. We can get you in touch with brothers and sisters who want to care for you and walk with you. Well, let's talk now 
about your body being healthy, that's good. But if you do all that and your soul and your mind aren't healthy, you're still going to experience anxiety. So let's talk about these five steps for your mind and your soul. Your soul, of course, can only be at peace if you've trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Scripture says that all of us have sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. We're separated from God by our sin. But if you will trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, if you will just acknowledge, God, I'm a sinner, and Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me, you get reunited to God. And if you've done that, text the word baptism to us because we have a baptism weekend coming up in two weeks. We want to make sure you understand your new relationship with Christ, and we'd love to baptize you in that. Now, once your soul is at peace with God, that doesn't really change depending on what's going on in the world, but your mind, oh my goodness, your mind, when there's uncertainty, it is a battle to get your mind back to a place of peace. Uh, so very quickly, I'm gonna give you five steps to do that, and as I do, let me mention the Life Application Study Bible. The reason I mention it is that as a preacher and teacher, these five steps, oh, I'd love to spend a bunch of time on each of them. I can't today. I'm going to have to cruise through these, but I want to encourage you, text the word Bible to us, and that way you can open your Life Application Study Bible, and you can study every one of these passages in depth. Well, here's the first of these five steps for your mind and for your soul to experience peace even in a time of anxiety. Step one, declare that God is good. Remember, when the world is changing, you focus on what doesn't change, and what doesn't change is that God is good. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the maker of heaven and earth. He's faithful to keep his promises. You can study more about that in Psalm 146, and this is worded intentionally. Declare it. Uh, yes, believe it. But I'm telling you guys, when I've gone through medical treatments in times of extreme uncertainty, there is a power when you use your voice and you say, God, I still believe you're good. If you're sitting in a car alone and you're crying and you say, God, I still believe you're good. If you're in a home that used to be full of energy and life, but it's empty and you feel isolated, but you verbally say, God, I still believe you're good. Declare that God is good. He has not change. Step two, declare that your soul, it's invincible. Because you've believed in Jesus, your body, remember what Jesus said, don't fear humans who might be able to attack your body, but they can't even touch your soul. Instead, live a life that respects God, who can hurt people's bodies and kill them, but he can also decide if their soul's going to be in hell or in heaven. Your soul, as a follower of Jesus, is invincible. So no matter what your body goes through, no matter what you go through in this world, you are fixed in Christ. I love Colossians chapter three. It says that when Jesus died, we actually died with him. We died to sin. And now we've risen again and your life is hidden with God in Christ Jesus. Colossians three verse four says that when Christ appears, in other words, when the present is so discouraging, you look to the future, Christ will appear. When Christ appears, you also will appear with him in glory. In other words, right now you're in this physical body that gets sick, but when Christ physically appears in the clouds, you will be transported from this body. Your eternal soul will go up into heaven where you will meet your glorified body, the body that will never get sick, will never get tired, and there you will live in a kingdom where there will be no injustice, 
where there will be no racism, where there will be no political corruption, where there will be a perfect King of Kings and Lord of Lords will eat from the tree of life. What a beautiful thing to fix your mind on as you journey through this broken world. I'm gonna give you a third thing you can do today for your mind to move from anxiety to peace, and it's do what God has called you to do now. In other words, you take your mind and you say, okay, I'm gonna use my mind and my will to believe that God has a purpose for me today. Ephesians 2.10 says that God created you as a masterpiece, his handiwork. He created you in Christ Jesus to do good works that he prepared in advance for you to do. Now those good works for you, it might be part of being a dad, being a husband, being a student, being an employee. It might be a good work in your neighborhood that you reach out to someone. God has specific good works for you and I'm telling you, when you discover what those are, that is the gateway to fulfillment. That is the gateway to a meaningful life. In fact, if you don't know what God has called you to do, text the word NEXT to us. We have a specific class called NEXT STEPS, and it helps you look at your shape, your life experiences, and deduce and learn what has God crafted you to do in this world. Well, there's a fourth way that you can move your mind from anxiety to peace, and it's this, choose to walk with God even in an evil world. Choose to love God. Last week, we learned the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. I love this passage about Noah. You might look at the world around us and think, oh God, it's so evil. What's the point? Well, Noah lived in a, a far more wicked society. He wasn't one of the few good people. He was the only good person left. Genesis tells us that everyone was continually doing evil all the time. And yet, in the midst of that, Noah was a righteous man and he walked faithfully with God. I wonder today in your mind, would you just pray to God and just say, God, I want to walk with you. God, I've been focused on all the evil that's happening out there and it's been discouraging me. But God, today you're teaching me to not focus on what's uncertain, but to focus on what's certain. And so God, here's what I can control. I can control if I'm gonna walk with you. And God, I want to walk with you. I'm telling you, if you'll choose that, if you'll pray that, God will answer that prayer. And you will see your emotions gravitate from the uncertainty that comes when you focus on everything that you can't control, full of anxiety, the more you focus on God and walking with him, the more your emotions will center and stabilize. And let me give you now a fifth way to experience God's peace, no matter what's going on in the world around us, and it's this. Fulfill your God-designed purpose on earth. God designed you to be part of his movement of making disciples baptizing them like we'll do in two weeks. If you've trusted in Jesus and you haven't been baptized, text that word baptism to us. We'll get you baptized. We'll make sure you understand exactly who you are in Christ. And then it says, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. In other words, this is why we exist as a church. And the more engaged you are with what God is doing in the body of Christ, serving, giving, praying, being in a small group, it will help your mind focus on what is good, on what is true, on what is noble, on what is pure. 
Well, we've covered a lot today. You don't need to memorize all 10 of these things, but I'm trusting that God has spoken to you today. He's either given you a specific step for your body or for your mind. Maybe he's given you a couple steps for each. All those steps fall under this umbrella from Philippians 4 verse 6, this unchanging principle that we're going to live out together this week. And it's this, when life is uncertain, and it will be, we're going to make it because we're going to declare, we're going to focus on, we're going to live out what is certain through Jesus Christ. Let me pray that for you right now. Father, I pray for every single person watching right now. Lord, you see the anxiety in their life. You see the uncertainty. Lord, you take compassion on us. You know that our bodies are weak and the anxiety, the uncertainty of the world around us, Lord, it can overwhelm us just like it overwhelmed Elijah. And so, Lord, we come to you and we just commit to you that we'll obey what you've taught us today. If we need to get more consistent sleep or eat more nutritious food, if we need to remember, Jesus, that you're King of kings and Lord of lords, if we need to get up and do the things you've prepared for us to do, we will obey the specific steps that you've highlighted for each of us today by the power of your Spirit. Lord, keep us united as a church family, that we would bear one another's burdens, that we would follow you together. And Lord, that as a church family, we would reach many who are lost in anxiety, who don't yet have the hope of Christ that we would be going and making disciples. Empower us, protect us. Give us the freedom and the peace that is available and promised by the power of your spirit. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.